Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. I'm glad to have you as always. This is Pastor Rick, and I'm just here to, to again bring us the Word of God as we are in Leviticus chapter 25. You know, it, it's been interesting to see God's mind and heart, His laws, His likes, His dislikes. And, you know, it's funny how we could read something in regards to laws and, and the things that might seem uh, a little harsh in some eyes, but, you know, we're seeing God's perfect will of love, his perfect uh, heart towards mankind, his creation, and I, it just causes you to want to fall in love with him a little more, I think. And this goes to show just how good he really is. And, and I want to also remind us that when we say good, you know, in, in regards to God, good biblically in the language really means per- perfect Perfection. You remember in the book of Genesis where it said, and God created the earth in, in seven days, right? Or six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and it was good. God created man, and then he created woman, and he seen that it was good. It meant perfection. So when I see God in his creation, when I see God in, in his works and in his actions, it is good because it is perfect. And so we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be looking at the, you know, special, what we call special Sabbaths and, and, and jubilees, that of redemption. And that's what it comes down to. This is all about redemption and, and, and the blessings that God has to give. Now, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a pretty good sized chapter, so I'm not going to uh, uh, read every single verse. Uh, I'm going to explain a lot of it because uh, there is some things here that we've been over in the past. But, uh, but again, don't want to leave any stone unturned here. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give us everything that, that we can here that, um, that, that God really wanted us to know here and, 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 and to show the people of Israel just who he is. And how to take care of one another as he took care of them. And to see how God does, you know, with taking care of us still to this day. We're going to see some stuff too that, that really just does pertain to us in our time and, uh, our time and age. And so, as always, it starts out in these particular chapters. Each chapter, you know, it reminded us that the Lord spoke to Moses. And it was the Lord that said to him, Moses was the interpreter. He was the messenger. All of this was God speaking. And so we don't ever want to give the glory to Moses. Moses was the messenger. God, you know, he was like the scribe, if you will, the one who wrote down and, and, and he recorded. He, he, he spoke exactly what God had to say. He reminded them always of keeping the, of keeping the Sabbath and reminded them of who he was in the land that he gave them, that of Israel, which was known as Canaan. So he, he makes known here, check this out, it says in verse 3, it says, Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath uh, to the Lord, you shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it is a year of rest for the land, and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be good for you. For you, your male and female servants, your hired man, and the stranger who uh, dwells with you, for your livestock and beasts there are, that are in your land, all its produce shall be for food. So, you know, in, in the seventh year, there had to be a rest. You couldn't, you couldn't touch the land. And it's interesting, you, when you think of the concept, it really makes sense. Uh, 
I've done landscaping for years. And so I'm just, I understand how this works. And I've never been a farmer, sort of say. But, um, but if, you, if you've ever studied our, uh, agriculture, it makes sense. You know, God was the manufacturer of, of life, the manufacturer of this earth. He's the one who created the crops in which we tend to. And so, so after that, after that year, you are to basically stop. You're not to, you're not to touch it. Because again, it, it was to let the land rest in the form of benefiting. You know, Israel is the top producer, was and still is the top producer of produce in the East. It also provides for um, a lot of the, the the crops from around the world, and so he's making it known that basically that this is a universal blessing. This is going to take care of not just you for the year, but but for your land, right? I mean, this is this is a good thing because again, God is good; He's perfect; He does all things well. And and so I want to just again want to observe this and, and look at it with as much uh, into, uh, what's the what's the word I want to use uh, curiosity uh, the care if you will and, and so this was again a benefit this was a benefit God is always good. And so I'm just so glad to to have been able to just just to study it with intent because you know I really want to know what God was doing. You know the the fields had to rest, right? Because because it was it was allowing the natural resources to replenish. It was allowing the farmer and the crops and 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 the employees, if you will, to replenish. And so God's reminding them that that it is his control, it's his provision. And so trusting God was the thing here. Because a lot of us would be like, well, what what are we going to do here? One year without doing anything, God's going to get to that, right? He's going to get to that. But but for us, we think like, what are we supposed to do? Well, God provides in all things. In six years you shall sow your field. In six years you shall prune, uh, you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh uh, year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, as the Sabbath of the Lord. You shall neither sow your field, prune your vineyards. It all it shall all be food. You know this particular law got the people in trouble. They stopped doing this after a while. And if you've never heard, um, if you've never heard the Bible before, God had to exile his people into a land called Babylon, which was a neighboring country in, in Iraq, ancient Iraq, that was a uh, paganistic enemy of Israel. They were disregarding this particular law. And so when we look at that, we think to ourselves, like, my goodness, um, why would God do that it went beyond just that because over those years the people were doing so much more but when there's disobedience when there's blatant disobedience god allowed the, god allowed them to be exiled for 70 years so that's technically 490 years of sabbath sabbath years that they were disobeying 
Now, for 70 years to leave only a small remnant in Israel to care for him, and then for 70 years for them to come back, you know, that's a long time of replenishment. And so God knows what he's doing. Check it out in verse 8. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be uh, to you forty-nine years. And you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to its possession, and each of you shall return to its family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee to you, and, and it, to you shall neither sow nor reap what, uh, what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your intended vine, for it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce from the field. So, again, this is almost kind of like a double Sabbath. And so... You know, God was really making sure that, that again, the replenishment was, was in full. Right? And so the, the year of the Jubilee, it, this was to be celebrated every 50 years. Okay, debts were canceled. Um, slaves were freed, employees, if you will, because they didn't really do slavery like what we think. Slavery was... Uh, was was a bad way in how we did things here in the states and what happened to the Jews in Israel or in uh, in Egypt. And and then on top of it, you were to return a property to its original owners, and we're going to get into that as well. This was a good thing. There was so much more to it than just allowing crops to rest and, and allowing somebody to take a, a, a one year um, a one year vacation, if you will. There was more to it than this. Liberty, it said. You know, I, I'm a history buff. I, I love um, I, I love history of all sorts, whether it's American history or world history. But you know, it's funny. Even in our nation here in the United States, we were founded on a Judeo-Christian uh, biblical foundation, and so the Liberty Bell. You know, one of our, uh, a place where we could, uh, like a landmark, if you will, where you could go and observe this bell. This particular uh, chapter and verse was, was imprinted somewhere on that bell. You know, the proclamation of, of liberty throughout the land. And, and it was, it was inscribed on the bell somewhere. And, and so, we, we were founded on such things here in the United States. And I think we've lost track of things, but you know, God help us to, to to get back on board, which is I'm glad, which is why I'm glad I'm teaching this. We don't practice these things here; they don't really practice them in Israel anymore. Um, but again, it was a good thing; it was a benefit for all. The, the the cattle rested for a year, the the ground replenished for a year. You know what what would happen is is it's interesting too because you know what um what happens when you don't uh when you don't mess with your with your soil weeds develop but you know what happens is the weeds sometimes when they die and when they when they fall to the ground there there's a, there's like a replenishing if you will as uh, as well that that does something to that soil it, it made it fertile ground if you will 
and and not only was it the ground that was being made fertile, it was the people being made fertile in the way and that of taking time to reflect and to rebuild. And that's what God was really making sure of was was that and the reflection and the rebuilding of the people along with the land. It was something that was to be done hand in hand. In verse 13, it says, in this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor. And according to the number of years of crops, uh, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price. And according to the fewer number of years, you shall diminish its price. For he sells it to you according to the number of the years of the crops. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another. But you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. And, and so, let's look at um, bankruptcy, if you will. You know, if you've ever filed for bankruptcy, the bankruptcy stays within your credit and within your score for seven years. And then after that seven years, you're free of that bankruptcy, free to start over. And this was God's way of, of ancient day bankruptcy. See, a lot of people had to sell off their land and possessions. That was a big thing because God gave them the land. You were given the land. And if you had to sell it due to financial hardship, God was giving you the opportunity for you to buy it back. And the person that, that owned it had to make sure that you got it back. It was very important to have your, your property. It was very important to have your land. And so God was making sure that that, that that land that was given to them was brought back to their possession. I mean, really, if you look at it, God owned it anyways. God owns your house. God owns the property. Things are different nowadays. I, I've built three different houses from the ground up that I live in. I don't live in them anymore. And, and yeah, sometimes it's hard to leave a place, sometimes it's easy, but you know, God meant this in, in, in a deeper way. Our homes are our homes are, are temporary here on earth. But God allowed debts to be remitted. He, he allowed the slaves to be uh to be freed, if you will, if if they wanted to be. You had a time. And so we look at that and we think to ourselves that, wow, we see today's day and age with some similarities. And, and uh, so um, I, I guess we look at that and, and it's just kind of like, wow, God really does do things well, doesn't he? God instituted freedom. He instituted liberty. And, and, and debts were repaid. Debts were forgiven. And so, one would have to think. I wonder what it would have been like if, if, if the people would have obeyed. Right? If the people would have obeyed, what would that have been like? And, and what would that be like today? Can you look at your life and, and think to yourself, if I obey God more, if I, if, if I do what he says, what his word says, what will I benefit? We don't know, but it, I can tell you right now it's good. <laughs> Everything will be good when you do what he says. 
For he says in verse 18 that you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. And you will dwell in the land in safety. Then the land will yield its fruit and you shall will eat your, your fill and dwell there in safety. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? Since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce, then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. And it will bring forth produce enough for three years. And you shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth until its produce comes in, you shall eat of its old of the old harvest. So it, it it's even more so than what you'd expect is what it comes down to. Any of us would have thought the same thing. Well, what are we going to do for that year? God knows how we think, right? And so He knows exactly how we think. But He's like, I, I got you covered, and then some. Obeying God, even when it doesn't make sense. Is vital. See, God's in command of everything. He said it right there. I will command my blessing on you. And and so he commands the growth of the crops. He, he commands the weather. He commands all things. God is in control of all things. We are the caretakers. He is the owner. Your home, your car, you know, your job, everything we have really is his. And it's not ours. We just get to be partakers of it. And so I'm just, again, looking at this with, with intent of like, wow, God, help me to be a good steward. Help me to be, Lord, everything that uh, that, that you would want me to be. And, and those any, those who... Uh, those who, you know, take care of your world, Lord. I just, I thank you, Lord, for, for just allowing me to be a part of it. And, and so, again, we want to make sure that that we recognize who the true owner is. Verse 23 says, The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. In recognizing that this is the Lord's property should allow us to keep from greed, to allow us to, to keep from this is mine, not yours. Because God's saying it's mine, belongs to you, take care of one another. And so God owns it all. And so we must have an attitude of that, of, of God's. That we are taking care of the Lord's property. Right? And so, making ourselves available to others is key. And that's what I say, right? Think of ourselves as the manager, not the owner. Because even if you are technically on paper the owner of something, you're just still simply the manager. In verse 24 to 28, it says, In all the land of your possession you shall uh, grant redemption of the land. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has so, uh, sold some of his possession, and his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he, he may redeem what his brother sold. Or if the man has no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, then let him count the years since its sale. And restore the remainder to the man whom, to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. But if he is not able to have it restored to himself, then what was sold shall remain in the hand of him who, who bought it until the year of Jubilee. And in the Jubilee it shall be released, and he shall return to his possession. 
And and so again, you know, I think of what Jesus did for us. He he restored all things to us when he died on the cross. You know, God is allowing restoration of 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 the worldly possessions here, if you will. But he's also he went above and beyond that. You know, to to give us back to give us back, uh, you know, uh things in our eternity. We have an eternal inheritance by that of what Christ did for us. And, and But on top of it, we still get a return on the things of this world. And so God is always good. You know, when I say the term good, I said it before, right? In the term good, good is, is in the form of perfection biblically. When God created the world... It said in six days and he rested, he said, he looked and he said it was good. When God created man, it was good because before sin came into the world, everything was that in perfection. And that's what the word means, good. It means in that of perfection. And so praise be to him. Glory to be to him. And so we want to make sure that again, that, that he is being glorified. And that we are doing right by him by doing right by others. You know, we're giving back. You know, giving back what belongs to somebody. Nobody really, nobody loses. Everybody wins. Restoration, blessings, all the above. If a man sells his house in verse 29 in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it's sold. Within a full year, he may redeem it. But if it's not redeemed with the space of a full year, then the house that is in the walled city shall uh, belong permanently to him who bought it. And throughout his generations, it shall not be released in the Jubilee. But however, the houses of, of villages which have no wall around them shall be counted as the fields of the country. They may be redeemed and they shall be released in the Jubilee. But nevertheless, the cities of the Levites and the houses of their of the cities of their possession, the Levites may redeem at any time. See, the Levites, you know, what was interesting about them was they were the priesthood. They, they the Levites were given uh, particular blessings versus other people of the land. They didn't. The Levites didn't get land. The Levites' property was forever. You know, so that that was the interesting thing about theirs. And so they didn't really have to really worry about redeeming land or anything like that um, because they were they got to live wherever they wanted in all places because they were the priesthood. But he says in, in verse 35, now if one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into po- poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a so- sojourner that he may live with you. Take no usury or interest from him. But fear your God that your brother may live with you. You shall not lend him your money or for usury nor lend him your food at a profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the land of Canaan, and to be your God. You know, God's reminding them, you know, you, you all know what it felt like. <laughs> you, you were enslaved, and I brought you out of it. You were not to treat people in, in, in a form that, that, that would hurt them or harm them. God calls us to care for one another. And so, I think of God, what he did, what he did, and what he continues to do. Kindness, generosity, love, perfection, right? All of these things. All over the Bible, it consists of, of assisting the poor and the helpless. 
orphans and widows were, were the two things that really, which really touches God in the care of those things. Right? There wasn't work at times for a lot of people. They didn't have social services in these days. There wasn't a welfare system. And there was no way of taking advantage of a welfare system. The way God implemented this was basically in the form of perfection. You cannot, you cannot mess with a system, basically, because God set it up to where you were the system. We were the system. We took care of that. And, and we were not to take advantage of them. They were not to take advantage of us. It worked out perfect. God is good, right? <laughs> and so it, it just amazes me. You know, neglecting the poor was a sin. And, and permanent poverty was not allowed in Israel. That, that's what it really came down to. And in verse 39, it says, And if one of your brethren who dwells by you becomes poor and sells himself to you as, as like an employee, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave, as a, as a hired servant and a sojourner. He shall be with you and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you and his children with him and shall return to his own family. He shall return to the possessions of, of his fathers. For they are my servants whom I brought you are out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor. But you shall fear your God as and as your male and female slave whom, uh, for who you have from the nations that are around you. From them you may buy male and female slaves. Moreover, you, you may buy the children of the strangers who dwell among you and their families who are with you, which they beget in your land. They shall become your property, but you may take them as an inheritance for your children after you do inherit them as a possession. They shall be your permanent slaves, but regarding your brethren, the children of Israel shall not rule over one another with rigor. But again, you know, God here is taking care of the people. It's not the slavery what we think. You know, under the Hebrew laws, slaves were treated differently from slaves in other nations. They were actually seen as humans with dignity, not like animals, okay, because the, the Hebrew slaves, for example, they, they took part in the religious festivals. They rested on the Sabbath. That's what he told them. Nowhere in the Bible does it condone the slavery of what we think. But it recognizes its existence, yes, but God's law offered many guidelines for treating them properly, whether they were foreign or domestic, care was implemented. You know, I've always said that, you know, I've, oh, you know, I hear people talk about God condoning slavery. It's not the kind that you think. You know, let's put it this way. Maybe you broke a law and you couldn't afford to pay the debt. So what do we do in today's day and age? We have what's called community service. And, and it's because you can't afford to pay off the debt you work off the debt, and it was the same thing. You worked off the debt, and then after so many years, you were free to go. But see, that's the thing. Not everybody wanted to go. Why? Because they loved, the, they loved their employer, their master back in the day, as they call them. Loved them so much that they made a, life, a lifelong commitment to be with them. They would take a like a spike, like a little wooden spike, and they would actually put it through their ear as a form of recognition that they actually belong to them for life. 
It was like the form of us wearing a wedding ring. And so we are, uh, we are just, again, looking at this with, with, um, with like, okay, God, I'm seeing the bigger picture here. At least I hope that's what we're seeing it as. Not in the way that the world wants to see it, but in the way God wanted us to see it. Right? He doesn't want us to, 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 to neglect. He doesn't want us to, to, to harm. He wants us to care for one another. And so that is why we, we look at this with, with such intent. Now, in verse 47 and 55 through there, he, he's making it known that if a sojourner or a stranger close to you becomes rich, and one of your uh, brethren who dwells by him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner close to you or to a member of the stranger's family, after he is sold, he may rede- be redeemed again. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or anyone who is near of kin to his family may redeem him. You're to redeem one another. Right? There should be reckon, uh, a reckoning, God says. And then at the end, he says, if he's not redeemed in these years, then he shall be released in the year of Jubilee and his children with him. For the children of Israel are servants to me. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So that the children were together. They all worked together. And so redemption. Right? A kinsman redeemer had the ability to free you of that. Or to free them of that. Well, we have that in in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He redeems us from the slavery of sin. He is our Redeemer. And He gives us a place with Him in eternity. And, and, And... a voice in the distance ministries goes beyond just teaching the Bible and, and, and equipping the saints. It's also to bring you to that Redeemer. That you might not just believe but receive. And that is where you, your ticket into eternity and heaven comes in. And I, I am just again thankful that I got to be a part of that. Which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I get to be a part of that. And by that, my, my, my thankfulness to God is, is to teach others about him. And, and to bring others to him. Because he loves you and he wants you. He died for you just as much as he did for me, for everyone. No matter how good or bad you've been, he wants you. So again, I just want to thank you, the Lord, for allowing me to be a part of this, for allowing me to be a manager of whatever it is that he has set up for me that he owns. And we belong to him. It's the best thing that could ever happen. But he doesn't force you. We are making a commitment by receiving him. And I'm giving you the opportunity right now. Free of charge, (laughs) liberty given, eternal life in heaven, because you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, and your Father. If you feel led, 
And if you want him as your Lord and Savior, we could do that right now. Let us pray together and you can repeat after me in bringing him into your heart. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. I ask, Lord, that you would receive me, Father, Lord, into your kingdom when my time comes. As I receive you into my heart. I ask, Lord, that you would continue, Father, Lord, to use me. As you are now in me. And I am a part of you. I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for for cleansing my sins. And I ask, Lord, that you will protect me and guide me all my days. For you are in me now, Lord. As I receive you now as my Father, my Lord, my Savior. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Greatest decision you could ever make. Setting your your eternal place with him. So I want to congratulate you. And I want to welcome you into the family. He wants to welcome you into the family. And it's a family that's eternal. Because now your place with him is. So may you do well, be well. Follow him. Get into his word. Be in prayer. Be obedient. And good will come. So may God bless you. May he keep you. Watch over you in all things. Much love to you and your family. And may God bless and keep you.